0: I'm excited today to jump into a brand new series we're calling "Made," where we're going to explore this idea of God's design for us and look at just how God has wired us to actually flourish. And we're going to contrast that with maybe some of the ideologies that the world has has been taking on itself in these days. And over the next few weeks. We're going to actually lean in and and kind of build some intellectual arguments. And now we believe that you can have information and no transformation, and that's just nothing. We want information and revelation and transformation. But we also believe that you can come into a service like this and get all hyped up. But if you don't know anything, you're in trouble. And so we want to lean in. I'm going to invite you today to help me out and lean in, and we're going to learn some stuff. You ready to learn some stuff? Hey, all right, that's good. So uh, we're going to begin today, and the title of my message is Right Where You Belong, Right Where You Belong. Uh, a couple months ago, I was in my garage, and my kids were hanging out. They were just kind of playing. My little guy was on his, plaz- his plasma car, and uh, my daughter and son are out. My other, I have three kids, and they're all playing. And I'm cleaning up in the garage, and I found an old phone book. And I'm chucking the phone book in the garbage when my, one of my kids, I think it might have been my daughter, said, what's that? And I said, uh, this is a phone book. And, and I think th- their, next an- their next question was, what's a phone book? <laughs> to which I replied, are you serious? Well, a phone book is where you look up the numbers of people's phones. Um, This is how you find out how, how to call somebody. And they're like, is our number in the phone book? They were so excited. They couldn't believe this public document with all these numbers. And it was just so funny. I was just like, wow, the times have changed. These kids don't even know the struggles that we had to grow up with. Like, you just... You just say, hey, Siri, what's the number for such and such? And she'll find it. Where we had to go through the old phone book. They don't even know anything about having a cord to kind of tangle up in while you were talking on the phone. They don't know anything about these struggles, about walking with a disc man trying to make it not skip. Right? Like, they know nothing about it. Say, hey, Google, can you play whatever? Right? Like, what? Please. They don't know. They don't even know the struggles. The struggles are real. The times are changing though, aren't they? A lot has changed in a very short amount of time. I was thinking about this, we live in the selfie day and age, and my, my, like, if you think about like, if you're a woman, your grandmother's selfies are gonna look very different than your selfies for your grandkids. So like, like it's gonna be very, very different. Um, Like, you imagine your great-grandkids documentation of your life? Like, just keep in mind, there will be generations looking at your Facebook feed, right? And making up determinations about you. We live in an incredibly different, unique, incredible, but different time. And things have definitely been changing. And I'm not so sure things are all changing for the better. And I suspect you're like me. I have my doubts about things. There are certain things that I'm not convinced have changed for the better. Like, like the family unit has changed. Parenting has changed, hasn't it? I, I can remember, like, I'm pretty confident my parents both loved me dearly, but I can remember my mother who loves me with an unbelievable love saying, son, I want you to leave the house and not come back until I call you at the end of the day for supper. Anybody remember that? Like, go play and get away from me, right? Like, We'd never do that anymore. Here, by a show of hands, West Halifax, how many of you have ridden down the highway in the back of a pickup truck? Anybody lately? Yeah! Wow, that's amazing. Now, like I'm pretty sure they want you to have a five-point harness until you drop your daughter off at prom. It's incredible, uh, the, the just how things have changed. It's quite something. And I think like more than just some of these funny, quirky things, we're seeing things change in our ethics, in our perspectives, and in our values, and our ideologies. And these changes are creeping in even to the church where we're starting to have to wrestle with how we see things and understand things. Things are very different and we're starting to ask questions. I think it's not just in the church now that we're asking questions like, hey, is this really... Are all of these things, like in 21st century culture and ideology, are all these things actually better? I think this is actually going out beyond the church now, and it's increasing in the culture where people are starting to look at the product and the byproduct of some of our philosophies of this day and some of the ideologies of this this day. And I think we're starting to see that maybe this isn't all for the best. Maybe we've lost something maybe we're actually losing what it means to be human. None of us would argue that things have changed. I read an article last week that they have granted human rights in the US, the human rights to an orangutan, amazing. They're giving this monkey human rights. Like, that's significant. They're, sa- they're actually placing that stamp of humanity on an animal. Now, I'm not trying to get into, like, I don't need you. Like, if you're a vegan or whatever, you can email dan.lamus at kingschurch.cc, <laughs> and, and we'll be happy to get back to you. I eat meat. Rah! Anyway, <laughs> my wife's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Things aren't necessarily for the best and there are undeniably troubling facts presenting us in this day and age. For all of the rights and freedoms that we purport, there has never been more offense and outrage, has there? For all of our, you do you and you do you and just follow your heart and be whoever you want and be with whoever you want. Just do what you want. For all of that, there's never been more offense and outrage For all of our knowledge and enlightenment and all of our access to information, I would argue there may have never been more confusion. More, I don't know what to believe. Watch the news lately? Nope, me neither, because I stopped. I don't know what to believe. For all of our inclusiveness, there's never been more infighting. Even the tolerant groups are becoming intolerant of one another. We had a few weeks ago, we had a group here and somebody started to protest online that that these people are intolerant and you're letting them utilize your facility. And I'm like, hey, wait, so you want us to be intolerant to them because they're intolerant? Like, how does this even work? Things are starting to fracture for all of our connectedness. I mean, you can right now, you can pull up your phone and you can text anybody you know. You can go on Facebook and find old friends from high school. You have hundreds. Some of us have thousands of Facebook friends. And yet for all of our connectedness in human history, we've never dealt with more of an epidemic of loneliness. People have never been more lonely in the history of humanity. And we're saying we're hyper-connected, are we? I don't know. For all of our progress, there has never been more depression and anxiety and fear and despair. There is an epidemic of suicide right now. Like, and it's hitting close to home, like right here in St. John even, in Halifax, we're we're finding this is an epidemic. It's rampant, like so much so that they they actually gathered on the Harbor Bridge not two weeks ago to say, hey, stop, you're valued. Don't do this. So the question we have to ask today, not just as Christians, we're going to ask it as Christians, but even just as humans, and you might be here today, you're not a believer, and you're just kind of trying to figure this out. The question we have to ask is, have we lost sight of what it means to be human? Are we losing our grip on how to truly live? I believe we live in a time where people are starting to wake up to the realization that maybe this isn't working. Maybe if everything's true, nothing's true. Maybe it's not the best if I just follow my heart. Maybe some of these ideologies that sound right actually are deadly. And so for the next few weeks, we wanna look at this idea and start to press the brakes on whether or not what we believe about life is actually producing life. In 1776, I'm reading a biography on Benjamin Franklin. (laughs) So fun. and uh, it's super interesting, actually. This guy was incredible, not a guy to model your life after, but very, very incredible life. And in 1776, July 4th, he and a few other of the founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson and Hancock, they gathered together and they made the Declaration of Independence of the United States. And they, they declared on that document that we hold these truths to be self-evident. They said that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by that creator and that they have certain unalienable rights and that among these rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I am thankful today that that broke into into human history. And I'm thankful today for that value system, that Judeo-Christian value system in Western society. But you got to understand this didn't happen in a vacuum and it's been progressing since then. Up until that point, you saw major shifts in human history. Lean in for a second, because we're going we're to kind of connect some dots. You go back to the 1400s, 1500s, 1600s, 1700s, you're seeing massive cultural shifts in human history. You're seeing the Enlightenment, and the Renaissance, and the Industrial Revolution, and you're starting to see many good things start to come up pushing back against tyranny pushing back against religious and monarchies that are that are tyrannical in their oppression of people bringing equality to 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 the rich to the poor and trying to bring balance and actual health in society these were good things at the time But what happened ever so suddenly, and this is a gross oversimplification, and I'm not a sociologist or a psychologist, but in my estimation, what happened ever so suddenly through the Renaissance and then the Enlightenment and the, the revolutions, the Industrial and the American Revolution, is that God's place in humanity's heart and mind began to diminish. And man's place in their own heart and mind began to increase. To the point where we now live in a day where God has disappeared from the public sphere. And He's disappeared from our minds, and He's disappeared from the fabric of our civilization. And now I believe we're starting to reap the results of that because you can't function properly in your design if you don't know your designer. And so the question I want to ask over these next few weeks is what does it mean that we're made? Is it possible that all the destruction and decay and the stuff that's going on in culture right now, is it possible that it's because we've actually extracted God from a place where he has preeminence and we've made ourselves preeminent? And is that beginning to create this this cultural tumult we're in right now? And so for the next few weeks, I want to look at this idea of how God has made us and how God has fabricated us and put us together in our mother's womb and he created us with a purpose. We have been designed. And that maybe in our attempt to be the designer of our own worlds and our own lives, we've lost sight of the fact that we've actually been made at all. And so we're going to reconnect back to design. And today I want to start with this, this simple idea to begin our talk. So I'm going to be quick today because I had to kind of set up the series and take some time doing that. But I want to talk, and I told you the title, Right Where You Belong. And I want to talk about this idea of belonging. That you and I have been made to be known and to know others. We have been made for a certain and specific place in this world. And every one of us know because we have an innate longing to find it. Anybody uh, grow up in church, remember that song of Michael W. Smith? Looking for a reason, roaming through the night to find my place in this world. Just making sure you're paying attention. Remember that song? Where is our fit? in planet earth. This desire to belong somewhere is hardwired in every single human being. Not too long ago, I was driving uh, home, coming in through St. John and heading out to the valley, and I, I came up to a parking lot, and about 20 bikers pulled in behind me. Every single one of them driving a Harley. They were Bacchus gang members, actually, Uh, If you're here today, we're glad you're here. Uh, Don't be mad at what I'm about to say next. Um, They they pulled it behind me, and we get driving down the road, and then all 20 of them just come out from behind me, and they all pass me. And at first, it was kind of intimidating. Like, here's these, like, burly dudes with mustaches and leather, and they're driving their Harleys, and it's super loud, and I'm, like, driving my little Ford Fusion, you know? (laughs) Hipster. Took my sunglasses off, like... Yay, sir, right? Like, a little intimidated. But then they started going by me one by one. I was like, look at these guys. Every single one of them are wearing the exact same thing. Like, wow, look at you rebels all rebelling the exact same way. Yeah, like, really trying to cut yourself out of the fabric of society. Hey, what kind of leather are you wearing? Right? Like, it's amazing. And I got thinking about this, like, that all of these guys... The drive to belong is what brought them there. They didn't want to be Bacchus gang members. They wanted to find brothers. They wanted to find a place to belong. You can find this in every sphere. You can find it in sports. You can find it in CrossFit. You talked to a CrossFit person lately? They're the modern day evangelists. Like it's incredible. Like they will sign you up for their CrossFit box. If you aren't like, you just got to just stay away or if you're, you're going to get in. Like they're passionate about it. Why? They have tapped into the fact that community is everything. I think, I think people like, uh, find your sphere, essential oils. You ladies are crazy. (laughs) Out here with your peppermint, it's going to take your headache headache away. Just immediately, just put a little bit of this in your temples. It's going to go right away, right? If you put a little bit of that lavender on your wrist before you go to bed, you're going to sleep like a baby, I promise, right? Like, yeah. (laughs) Oh man, I've done too much talking this week. Okay, I'll make fun of me. I'll make fun of me. You remember like back in June when I said, we won the NBA championship? I'm not actually on the Raptors. I didn't know if you knew that. Um, I'm not, I didn't make the team. I got cut. They picked Kawhi instead of me. He left. I tried out again. Still not happening. But the, what is it about us? It's because we have this innate longing to belong. And here's the reason why. Because God made us that way. He made us that way. I told you like 20 minutes ago to turn to Genesis 1, and now here we are. Genesis 1, verse 26. This is what happens when you preach all weekend. Ready? Genesis 1, 26. Look what it says. If you have your Bible, this is great to like just do Bible study. We're going to go deep dive right here. Look what it says. This is the creation account. Now, for those of you who are new to the Bible, the book of Genesis was never meant to be a scientific document. It's a book of origins. It's to talk about our purpose and our design, but it's not, it's not a book about physics. It's metaphysics. It's outside of the scientific order. It was never trying to, to, like, give us a textbook on how things came to be. It's who made things and why. That's what Genesis is really all about. And so we can find our purpose right here. Verse 26. Let's look at it. you with me? West Halifax. All right, here we go. It says, then God said, let us, say it, make, make. Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God, say it, created. He made them. He made mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He, there it is again, you see it? Created them. Now, central to the biblical ethics, central to being Christian, is this one overriding fact that there is a God and he has made everything, including you. We have been made. And here's the deal. Because we have been made from him and for him, we are not complete without him. So if you're taking notes, I want to write this down. Here's what the Bible says about you and how you were made. First and foremost, you are not enough for you, because we were made to belong with God. You are not enough for you. And now I know there is a popular way of thinking now, like, you just be you, girl. you like, pretty, pretty, please. Don't ever think you're anything less than perfect. My favorite song, right, it's, no. It's like, that is, no. That's like, that is the ideology of this day, But the Bible says, no, you you aren't good just the way you are. You are incomplete. You are missing something. In fact, the Bible would say you're missing the imprint of eternity. You are missing the the imprint of God Almighty. You are ignoring the fact that there is a hole in your soul that only God himself can fill. And you will never be fully alive. So, this flies in the face of that. This flies in the face of this lie that says that, that life and freedom and happiness are out there. Go find it. In actuality, maybe life, true life, meaning, freedom, happiness, and purpose is, is first and foremost found as we connect in to our designer. We've been made. We've been made. Look at this, verse verse, uh, seven in chapter two. Flip the page, one page. The creation account goes on and this gives us more information about how we've been created. It says, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living being. Now note something. There was the form. God formed the man, but he wasn't a living being until when? The breath of life was breathed into him. This is huge. Like, this is just a one-verse thing that if you just fly over it, you don't get the significance of it. This means that apart from God, you're dead. It means that if you aren't receiving the breath of life from your designer and from your creator, you are dead. You're just a form. Now in uh, the Renaissance, uh, in, into, into the Enlightenment actually, uh, there was all kinds of thought and people were really wrestling with their own humanity and their own kind of image. And there was this, um, this painting that surfaced by Leonardo DiCaprio, I mean Leonardo da Vinci, um, the other Leonardo, called the Vitruvian Man. Do we have it? Oh, can we censor this? Awesome. Um, <laughs> our tech crew, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome. I I don't know. It doesn't offend me, but I want you to focus on the sermon and not like the anatomy. But this, this picture, this surface during the time of the Enlightenment, this is Leonardo da Vinci, and, and it actually, it's, it's presenting something that's super central to being human. Uh, it's called the Vitruvian Man because there was an architect named Vitruvius who was trying to illustrate whether or not you could make a circle and a square. And he posited that it's actually in the human body where you can be two things at once that it's in the human body that we find both the circle form and the square form. And that that's the, that's the kind of the, the, the the thing that, connects these two things into one being. And so he's saying, if you uh, trace the square around the feet to the head and then out to the sides of the arms, you make a perfect square. And then if you do the circumference of the human from the diameter of the navel, you make a perfect circle. And then he's always saying, in the human being, we're two things at once. And so what da Vinci is trying to illustrate is how we are both two things at once. It's really recapturing the design of how we've been made. We as human beings are both, we've both been made in God's image, but we're also made from the dust. We're both eternal and temporal. And so right now, we, we have these kind of ideologies that have pulled that into different, into different extremes. You have pe- some people that say, you're God, that you get to make the decisions, you get to make the calls, that, that really you are the divine, but they ignore kind of our own mortality but then you also get people who are, are saying, you know what, just follow your urges. You're just an animal. And what Vitruvius and what Da Vinci's trying to illustrate here and what the Bible's really getting at is this. You're not an angel and you're not an animal. You're a human. You are spirit and body. You are two things at once. And as long as you are ignoring one of those factors, your, your, your physicality, like you, how many of you know that your, your soul is connected to your body? you know what? I lost 50 pounds two years ago. My spirit improved. My soul improved. It's all connected. We are two things at once. We are are human. We aren't angels and we aren't animals. We are both. And this again confronts cultural lies. So hear this. As human beings, we are infinitely incomplete apart from God. Until you recapture the fact and engage the fact that you have been made in his image and you require the breath of life in you, you are going to be dysfunctional and end up dead. Welcome to King's Church. Well, that's the truth. It's the truth. And, and, how, and how, many, how, many, like, how many celebrities have to take their own lives for us to believe that like life is just not found here? Like how, how many, like how many of people at the top have to that, that take their own lives until we believe there's nothing at the top? We have to connect to him. Now there's more. There's more? There's more. <laughs> let's, look at, let's look back again, verse 26. Are you with me still? Is this all right? We're gonna do a teaching series. They're gonna be big boys and girls. We're gonna lean in. We're gonna learn some stuff. Cause I don't, listen, I, I, I'm all for like the, the heavy stuff. I'm all for the hype stuff. But look, if we're dumb, we're We're in trouble. Right? So we, the, God wants to integrate your whole life, mind, your body, your soul, your spirit, all of it. So we're going to lean in. Look at verse 26. It says, then God said, and I want to read this again. Let's, not, let's see a second thing we need to pull out. Said so God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish. Notice the plurality in this statement. It doesn't, God did not say, let me make him in my image, did he? He said, let us make them in our image. From the beginning, there was community. You have been made from community for community. And that is so crucial to capture. So my second point is this. Now, before you you bring judgment, let let me fill it in. Here's the point though. God is not enough for you. What do you mean God's not enough for you? We sing that song, Christ is enough for me. I knew this guy was questionable. I knew that uh, this was a cult and they don't preach the real Bible and he's a false prophet. My discernment has been piqued. No. (laughs) Bear with me. (laughs) You wouldn't believe how much we get of that. Listen, I had one leader tell me you're doing nothing until you're called a cult leader. So, all right. You're not, you're not doing anything until you're called a cult. So, because we are not a cult, by the way, if you're here, bring out the Kool-Aid, right? Like uh, it's, it's not—we're not a cult. Man, I've preached way too much this weekend. <laughs> God is not enough for you. Here's why: because we were actually made to belong with others. That you were made to flesh out your life with God with others. And that until you engage others, you're missing a piece of life. So, so not only do we need to be integrated with God, we'll call this the vertical integration, that you need to be connected to God for life, but we also need a horizontal integration. And until you have made connections with other human beings, your life is limited and again, destined for disappointment and dysfunction. You need other people. God made us in community. Look at, look at Genesis 2 again, verse 18. One more, one more. It says, then the Lord said to, about Adam. So he'd made Adam. Now watch this. God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, here's a question. Those of you like you, you, you grew up in church, maybe you can answer this question or you've been around long enough. This is Genesis 2. Has Adam done anything wrong yet? No, there's, there's no sin. He's living in perfect unity with the Godhead. He's in perfect intimacy and unity with God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's in perfect community with God, and yet it is God who says, this isn't good. He needs other people around him, and so let's call this the horizontal integration. And so he made Eve from what? From his side. Out of his side he came. Isn't that a cool picture? Isn't that poetic? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And then they do the horizontal integration, and then they make more <laughs> babies. <laughs> they, ha- they, have, they have a family. Look, God's original plan is to experience him in the context of family, in the context of community, in the context of other people. And here's the truth, that you are not fully you without others. I'm not fully me without we. And I can't experience he without we fully. Got the rhymes going today. I I, I was reading um, C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors. Uh, Anything by him, go for it. It's awesome. In one of his books called The Four Loves, he's observing uh, the loss of his friend Charles. And him and his friend Charles... And his friend Ronald used to hang out together and he's observing the dynamics since Charles has died. And I want to read this because this puts in perspective how bad we need each other because you're not fully you without other people. Look what, look what Lewis says. This is so brilliant. He says, In each of my friends, there's something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I'm not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I, want, I need other lights other than my own to show all his facets. What's he saying? He's saying that there are certain things about you that only a certain other person can bring out. So there are certain things about me that only Melanie brings out. There are certain things about me that only my kids bring out. There are certain things about me that only you bring out, like vegan jokes and stuff like that, right? Like, there are certain things that that community does. Look, let's keep going. He says, now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's reaction to a specifically charline joke. Far from having more of Ronald, because I have him all to myself now, I actually have less of Ronald. We possess each friend, not less, but more as the number of those whom we share him increases. You see that? Isn't that beautiful? He's saying that you aren't fully you in and of yourself. Like all by yourself, it's not enough. And and with all due respect... Just me and Jesus is not enough. But Jesus wants to flesh his life out amongst another community. And so we have to actually not just engage God, this vertical integration, but our lives need to be integrated in community horizontally. And as we do those things, we come to life. I was reminded of that this week. Uh, Pastor Dan and Anthony and I, every Thursday, we spend time together, pray together, confess all the stuff. We sharpen each other. And we all, I just, I said at the end of it, like, guys, like... Thank you. Like, I, I am not me without you. And like, you have brought, uh, brought things out of me and you've sharpened things away from me and you've strengthened me. We, we are we and I am me because of it. I know that's confusing, but stay with me. You're made for each other. You're made for each other. Now, I'm, I'm gonna bring it in for a close because I don't have a ton of time. But so here's the thing though. Community is not enough though either. And we now live in a time where I don't think people are struggling with this idea that we need to connect to others. In fact, people are connecting you know, in, in, in different tribes and factions like never before. In fact, like, I don't think anybody's worn their colors with more pride than they do right now, have they? Except you're seeing a lot of fractures within those like you're seeing the rise of tribalism. Anybody familiar with that? Like like that you're seeing toxic tribalism. You're seeing a lot of group thinking and group ideologies where people aren't actually thinking for themselves at all and they're just kind of this this part of this great Borg, and you're seeing, you know, all these sort of groups rise. You got the liberals and the conservatives. They don't like each other, never have. You got Antifa, and you've got white nationalism and populism, and all these isms are are growing. But here's what the Bible would tell us. The Bible says that you are made for community indeed, and that unless you have community around you, you can't be fully human. But human community left unto itself, detached from God— is destined towards disintegration, dysfunction, and decay. And the Bible actually lays that out for us. Like if you keep reading in the Bible, you read Genesis 3, sin happens. And then Adam and Eve begin to create family. And then what happens? It doesn't go good because they're disconnected from God. It goes very, very poorly, very quickly. You see Adam and Eve, their sons, Cain, kills Abel. And then you see this general kind of degradation of humanity. And you see by Genesis chapter 6, it says the Lord God saw that there was all wickedness in all of humanity. There was only one family left, he said, that he was going to use to be able to kind of bring life back. And so he raises up Noah. And then then the flood happens. Keep reading. And then you go to Genesis chapter 11 or Genesis chapter 10. You have the Tower of Babel. What's that? That's what happens when human beings come together without God. And so we are, if we're left to ourselves in human community, we are destined for dysfunction. But here's the deal. God had a plan. If you're writing those, write this down. Here's, here's the number number three, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it in for a landing in just a minute. We got people leaving and everything, so. <laughs> we are not enough for you because we were made to belong with God, with others. Until we live in Connection with God connected to others, you are destined for dysfunction. The Bible would tell us that we are made to know God and be known by God, and to know others and to know and be known by others. That's where you and I belong, right there. And to the degree that you're able to connect to God vertically, and to the degree that you're able to take that vertical connection and flesh it out horizontally, is the degree that you live. That's where life is absolutely found. It's kind of, I was thinking about it like this, kind of like a battery. You know how a battery has both like a positive and a negative pole? You have to connect both ends for the battery power to work. Your life is very similar. You need to be connected to God vertically and you need to be connected to others horizontally. And as you make those connections, power starts flowing into your life, real power. So the question is, how do we integrate things vertically and horizontally at the same time? Well, this is where the gospel comes in. I wish I had more time today, but you, you need to know this. God's plan from day one was a people. Look at Genesis chapter 12 really quick. You know what you should do? Here's some homework this week. Read Genesis 1 through 12. It'll take you an hour. So you got a whole week, okay? Is that all right? Homework. Oh. Read Genesis 1 to 12. Look what, look what. Here's God's plan. Look at it. It says, the Lord God said to Abraham go, from, go, Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I'll show you and I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you. That's his plan. I am going to make myself a people and I will bless you and I'll make your name great and, I'll, and you will be a blessing and I'll bless those who bless you and uh, whoever curses you, I'll curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So what is that? That is God's plan for life. God's plan is that I am going to flesh my will out through a people on the earth. I'm going to establish a people that by whom and through whom are going to bear my image. They're going to recapture the original design and the original plan, and they're going to go over all the earth blessing others. That's what they're going to do. That's that's who we are. Now, the story doesn't end in Genesis 12, does it? We find that God begins to establish the nation of Israel. Well, fast forward, you zip right through the Old Testament and you find it's still not going that well. Why? Because there's still disconnection from God Almighty. Even in their, even in their, um, their religion, even in, with their law, they're still not able to make that connection because they can't hold the standards. So here's, here's the amazing thing Jesus does. Jesus comes in. He stands in our place as the great high priest, as the mediator, as the true Adam who never failed or ate the fruit. He stands in our place as the true man, the God man. You know, take that Vitruvian man image. He is the two in one, fully man and fully God, standing in our place, establishing God's will in one full human being who just did it perfectly. That's who Jesus is. And through him, establishing his will in others as others come to him. Think about the cross as Jesus hung on the cross. There is, there is both a vertical line in the cross, isn't there? And the Bible says that God reconciled us to himself through Jesus. What's reconciliation? It's reconnection. He connected the vertical pole. But it also tells us that God has called all men unto himself at the cross, hasn't he? that anybody who comes to him will have life. And it's amazing when you get that imagery. I mean, I'm always moved by it when we gather together for worship and I see young people and old people, black people, white people, single people, married people, divorced people. All of us are unified at the foot of the cross. It's common ground there, isn't it? And so God designed a nation, a people of peoples, a nation of nations, unified and united in jesus together connected to god almighty that's why jesus is the center of our faith and that fleshes itself out in our lives look at this look at this scripture first peter 2 Ban, come back i'm bringing it down for a landing first peter 2 verse 4 i don't know if you have verse 4 or not so just listen to this verse 4 says as you come to him talking about jesus the living stone rejected by humans and chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Here it is, verse 9. Bring up verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That's the church. And let me say this this is the time for the church to rise up and take its place. This is the time. Romans says that the creation groans that the sons of God will be revealed. This is the time for us to rise up and come together around Jesus Christ, the gospel that has unified us, saved us, redeemed us, restored us, and set us on a path. This is the time for us to come together and say, This is what it means to be human. This is the way, walk in it. This is the truth. And that is a lie. That is right. And this is wrong. Here's where we found the life. You can find it too. This is the time for the church to do that. And that's our invitation. And here's the thing the plan of God was to change the world. Through us, through the table. There's that other famous painting of Leonardo da Vinci, the, the Last Supper, where it portrays Jesus. And I mean, they never sat at the table like that. And Jesus was not white, but go with it. Um, but it shows this table at the Last Supper. Jesus took bread and he took wine and he took the bread and he broke it and he handed it to each one of them. And they each got a piece of bread in their hand. And what's happening? He's spreading his body saying, this is my body broken for you. Take it in remembrance of me. Remember, I'm at the center of this. And then he passed the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Take this. It's the blood of the new covenant and remember me. And all of them ingesting the blood and they, as they come to him, become the body of Christ. It's this beautiful picture of how the table changes the world. My wife was telling me about um, a, just a, a women's gathering they had last week, just some friends just gathered together and they just spent time with one another laughing and having fun and they talked about Jesus and it was just, she said, that's life. That's life. So here's, here's your homework this week. Your homework is this. Number one, um, and this isn't homework, this is the, something you do right now. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, give your life to Jesus right now. Like like repent. And call upon the name of Jesus and you will be saved. Like this is the time. Like as as long as you don't know Jesus, you're doomed for death. I'm not just talking about like death after death. I'm talking about like even right now in your life. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. If you want to find meaning and you want to find hope and you you want to find true happiness and true freedom, it's found in Jesus and you cannot find it anywhere else. So I want to encourage you, if you're new here today or someone brought you out, like you need to give your life to Jesus, and we'll help you do that. We'd love to, love to pray with you and help you make that connection to God. You don't have to do anything other than believe, repent, and call upon his name, and you'll be saved. It's amazing. Now, for the rest of us, most of us are predominantly have already made that decision. Here's, 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 the, here's my push. Give yourself to others. Give yourself to others. I'm going I'm to encourage you to join some type of Christian community. We are launching community groups right now this weekend. Go on our website, go at one of the tables, one of our red shirts will help you. Sign up and we're gonna get you connected with other believers. You cannot fully experience God by yourself. It is not just me and Jesus. You need other people. So make that step and join some type of Christian community where you're going deeper with others. And here's, here's the homework for everybody else. If you're on a your community group, here's the last thing, Number three. I want you to actually practice Christian community sometime in the next, like, 14 days, next two weeks. I know everyone's really busy. I know everyone's got crazy schedules. But here's the, you know, the glad and sincere heart challenge. I want you to invite somebody over to your home and have supper with them. Invite someone you like. Like, it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to be like Jesus and invite people you know, while they were yet sinners, I invited them to my house. Actually invite somebody you like. Invite other Christians, prepare a meal, and sit down and enjoy one another, pray together, bless each other, laugh together. Doesn't, you don't have to do devotional. Just get together in Christian community. I want you to do that because that stuff changes the world. That stuff changes the world. Why don't we stand together and we're going to end this off by participating in communion. And as the band plays, I'm going to invite you to come. And I want you to be aware of two things today as you come. For those of you who don't know what communion is, it's, it's what I just talked about. Jesus at the Last Supper, he did this thing to give us a tactile image to be able to wrap our head around what's happening spiritually in the invisible. And so he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. And it represents how he died on the cross in our place. He bore our punishment, our shame. He stood in that place for you. He died the death that every human should die. And he took a cup and he passed it around. He said, this, is my, this represents my blood poured out for you. You have been forgiven. You have been cleansed. You have been covered. You have, your sins have been atoned for. So as you come today, come in faith. That's the only requirement. So maybe today you just decided, I'm going to follow Jesus. You can come too. If you're not a Jesus follower and you haven't made that decision, do not come. But if you, you want to make that decision today, this is for you. But I want you to be aware of two things as we come together. Come and be aware. Of the fact that you are now as you in faith come to jesus and receive his grace that you are fully in right standing with god there's nothing else to be done it's already done on the cross you are in right standing with god the the horizontal connection has been made you did nothing but connect but touch it in faith jesus stands in that place So come, and I think there's some people here that maybe you're feeling a lot of guilt and shame. You're trying to work your way back in. It's not how it works. You come in faith and you stand in perfect union with God right now. Receive that and be thankful. And then I want you to be aware of this as you come. The horizontal connection, you think about, or the vertical connection and the horizontal connection. You think about as you come, we're coming together, aren't we? That the body of Christ, the blood of Christ is spreading. One by one, we're taking it together, and we're going out into the world, and we are taking the message of hope and the message of peace and the message of reconciliation. We're doing this together. So let's connect to God and to one another as we celebrate this. Father, thank you today. Thank you that you did not leave us in our sins, but you sent your son to die in our place and to create a people, living stones, a royal priesthood. And I pray today, God, as we come to the table and we celebrate communion, As we receive the grace we did not deserve, God, I pray that we would ingest it and it would take deeper root than ever before. And God, I pray you give us a vision as we come in unity together. Give us a vision today of your church together before God going out and being the body of Christ in this world. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the message today. If you wanna stay up to date, go ahead and click subscribe to follow us on YouTube. And hey, if you wanna partner with us in getting these messages farther, you can go to our website and find out ways that you can give and help us get the good news of Jesus further than ever before.